You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections. The results, we interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist. And this is episode 83 of the Always Moto podcast, proudly presented by Liat Moto Australia. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan, and we'll be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. As always, it's an unfortunate circumstance, but he's still looking for that paycheck in the mail. This is the Always Moto Podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. And as always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. And we had a few, unfortunately, in Abu Dhabi and World Supercross in round two there, which we'll be talking about this week on the show. All the things there from the review of Abu Dhabi and that event that has generated a lot of chat on social media since that event has been run we'll also be chatting with oz supercross rider dylan wills we'll be talking the upcoming australian supercross round round two in newcastle that's happening this saturday night Uh, so another good show on the way and of course blair's banter later in the show Hey, Moto fans, this episode is brought to you by Liat Moto Australia, the ultimate gear and protection solution for riders seeking top-notch safety and style. From head to toe, Liat Moto has you covered with innovative helmets, goggles, body armor, and more. Ride with confidence knowing you're backed by gear designed by riders for riders. Liat Moto Australia has cutting-edge technology that pushes boundaries in their rider safety. Don't compromise on your safety and and comfort. Choose Liat to stay safe. Ride fierce and embrace the thrill. Head over to liat.com.au and gear up for your next ride. Also bringing us the show this week is Competitive Edge Performance. Are you looking to take your performance to the next level? Competitive Edge Performance is the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs, sports nutrition and on-bike coaching for all athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they have you covered. They offer in-person sessions and top-notch online programs that are accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. Competitive Edge Performance believes everyone deserves access to the best training and performance methods so you can ride faster and safer and feel damn good doing it. With over 10 years industry experience and plenty more laps of the track personally, their coaches know what it takes to succeed. Join Competitive Edge Performance today. Always Moto Podcast listeners can get 50% off your first month on their training app using the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-E-C-O-A-C-H. All in capital letters. And don't forget Slantboard Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots. They have that Always Moto um, code in lowercase at checkout to save on both of those products there. And Tech 167 3D Printing, they have some cool deals going on at the moment. Uh, And make sure you get in touch and let them know that you're a podcast listener and they'll get you a discount as well. Uh, we also have our T-shirts available. They are $25 plus post and handling. They're the Always Moto shirts with the logo front and center. Rock one at your next race. Get your orders in at info at alwaysmoto.com. 
put your T-shirt order in the subject line uh, and we'll send through details about payment via PayPal. Now, speaking of PayPal, if you don't want a T-shirt, that's fine, but a donation to the PayPal account for Always Motor would be very much appreciated from our end to help us get to these events that are coming up. We're heading to Newcastle this weekend. We're heading to Melbourne in two weekends' time. Uh, It'd be nice to have a little bit of support from you guys so we can bring you more and more content. Jump onto the show links uh, or check out the links in our social media bio uh, to get to these pages and donate to the show. Appreciate the support, guys and girls. We love it. We're bringing you more and more stuff every single week. But that's it for the intro talk. Let's jump into the show. Hey, guys. It's Matt Moss here. We're tuning in with Always Moto's podcast. All right, welcome to the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. We're on take two, Benny. Uh, the contractor is on the line. We've actually had to have a bit of a one of those snafus with software updates. We had the best show we ever had recorded. Just the problem was that it didn't really record it, Benny. No, it didn't, but... I'm excited. It's Newcastle weekend. Nobody's going to get that joke except me, and I'm a bit disappointed. <laughs> no, but we're going into a, our episode called Context, and no one will know what the context is. <laughs> They'll find so I'm out. Start I'm with that. They're going to find out here soon. Oh, man. If anybody knew what we talked about beforehand, it would be gold. But nobody ever will. It's been deleted already because it sounded like shit, and it only had one person on the, you know, the end of it. God damn it. Anyway, all right, so it's Newcastle this weekend. We're going to be there in person. Uh, well, two of us are going to be rocking around, Benny. Um, I, I need an update on your hamstring, but I'm a little bit concerned. We're going to, you're not going to be able to walk as far as you need to to get these, uh, you know, these introductions done, mate. No, well, lucky for me, I've had uh, <coughs> phone appointments with uh, the physio up there in Newcastle, and uh, he's been getting me through it. It's... Uh, Still lets me know it's not 100% if I do something the wrong way, uh, but it's 10 times better than it was when I did it. So, uh, yeah, we're getting through it, and uh, I think the laps in the pits will uh, help it out. Yeah, just don't take off in a hurry, all right? Hopefully nobody tries to run you over because that's when you've got to pick up that pace, and that won't be a good thing. Yeah, no, we'll stick to the uh, side and maybe even wear some high vis or something just to make sure I don't get hit. High vis, <laughs> right? I don't know if you've—I don't know if you found this out, but last year when we did the media credentials, and obviously we're going to be all credentialed up, so it's going to be fantastic. Um, when I did, when we got the credentials, they actually sent me a link for the. Um, site induction for mcdonald jones stadium so don't laugh but they might make you wear some some sort of identification um for the site from their uh work health and safety point of view yeah well, that's all right if we gotta we gotta do that just to let me uh do what we're gonna do i'm fine with that yeah well look it's all part of it, it just, i thought it was weird that we had to do that but anyway it is was requirement of the stadium not of the series so yeah you got to participate with in the places you're wanting to go all right um the racing obviously outside of newcastle this weekend coming up let's go back a week and talk about the race that was world supercross round two at abu dhabi has been run and won uh it was an interesting interesting week that provided plenty of social media talk uh probably a few for the wrong reasons a few for other wrong reasons and yeah just a just a whole bunch of chatter going on benny yes the social media was uh pretty full sunday morning of um 
all about one man, really. Uh, so luckily for me, I watched it live um, because if I hadn't, uh, I'm not sure I would have. I think I saw enough on the socials to <laughs> to get me through the round. So, uh, yeah, there was plenty to talk about. Yeah, mate, look, I can't always watch these things live, but what the, the trick is that I just can't open any social media and I've got to stay away from all the email um, updates that come through because the damn media ones that they, these teams put out and the events the, the promoters put out always have the winners in the email subject line, which drives me nuts. So I've got to not look at that as I, as I go through my day with my phone that is basically a brick for the day. Um, and then I can watch it and enjoy it as I did on Sunday afternoon. And then when you open up the socials finally and all we see is Vince freeze every single post for like the f- next 50 posts, tells me one thing, that Vince is just going to Vince. Yeah, and um, we've seen it before and we'll see it again. And uh, yes, it happened It happened again. Um, took, took Dino out, did some brake checking, did some cutting of the course. Um, Yes, had a bit of a chest-to-chest with your Reeve. Um, yeah, there's, there's plenty that he did on the weekend. He had a banger night happening, didn't he? he uh, <laughs> it was just all go from Vince Freeze from start to finish. Now, obviously, all of it was a bit in a, in a group like of all of those things. That was a bad night in general look for, for Vince Freeze. But the where it sort of started at that point with Dino and that, that move that he put on Dino and took him took him down. I'm not completely with, but I'm not completely against either. Given the fact there's never a good thing if you're taking somebody out and if you're meeting them at the exit of the corner, that's not great either. But if you give some context, and this will be the... You've already dropped the bomb because we, we did this re- record already before, but I said context about 50,000 times, and I'm probably going to say it 50,000 times more. I might have to get that one removed from my brain later. It's going to just be on repeat. But if you give some context to that takeout, in terms of the position they were in, you know, second and first there, in terms of the track size and the opportunities to get a second line and, you know, move about and get, get around him in a safe manner... You can't really blame him for being aggressive in that setting. But the end result was bad. But it was probably necessary in that environment of the track and the way that it was built that led to that moment. Uh, yeah, you've only got to, um, you know, watch an arena cross race and you'll see that sort of pass maybe more than once. Um, and that's, you know, to, to make a pass, you had to be aggressive. Uh, he probably was a little bit more aggressive than most people. Um, but yeah, the pass wasn't the worst thing. Um, so we'll, we'll let that, we'll let that pass the takeout on Dino, but, uh, the other, the other things that he did were the, what was the problem? Well, yeah, look, the, let's go to the next part. So obviously Dino tried to belt Vince into submission later on, but uh, him and Joey both didn't have very successful outcomes in terms of any takeout manoeuvres that they were trying to pay Vince back with. Um, I don't feel that those guys have that, you know, aggressive takeout manoeuvre down pat. It's not something they're doing week in, week out, so they're probably not as fluent as as Vince Freeze is, and that showed in those attempted moves by them. But the bump that Joey gave Vince in one of the motos that led to Vince 
basically just blatantly cutting the track and then just rolling back onto the track in front of Joey and taking off um, just doesn't sit well. At what point does Vince go, yeah, this is okay, and just continue on with his race? I, I just can't see how he gets that one through his head and thinks, you know, that's fine to do. It's just, it's, it amuses me. Yeah, I'm not sure what, you know, what goes through his head to say, yep, I'm just going to keep going. Uh, Joey was probably a little bit too nice. Um, he probably could have sent him <laughs> sent him out of the, uh, off the track and, you know, off the bike as well. But, um, yeah, he didn't didn't get him hard enough and, you know, Vince just rode, you know, rode around the outside and kept his position and kept going. Um, you know, he then did get docked for that. Uh, but yeah, at the time, you know, he could have just let up, either let Joey get level with him or passed, uh, and then kept going. So uh, they looked into it, and he did get docked. But yeah, I'd, I'm not sure what you, you know, how you can think that's all right. No, it's a it's a bad look uh, in terms of him as a you know as a character. In terms of they talk about the spirit of the game and stuff, and that definitely is not in the spirit of the game. Um, that Vince is doing there. Now, the other thing that was sort of, for me, this was the worst part of it all, was his um, race management. Um, Vince was very, obviously, very good off the start, always very good off the start. But on a track like that, when you're in front, there's no room and you can control the track very easily. And the fact of the brake checking, the blocking of the lines, you know, the moving over to block lines, and just the general look backs to make sure that he was you know compressing the field so that he's bringing third up to second so that when second's trying to make a move and change lines to take him in first the third place guy is able to go up the inside and block it so vince was rather what's the right word here but like sneaky in terms of how he was trying to manage it and not in a good way he was you know, doing it in a deceptive manner that just then obviously pissed off the entire field. And that's the part that really got under my skin over the night was just how he did that race after race and, you know, seemingly nothing being, you know, you mentioned the, the being docked. That was for the cutting the course in Moto3. He did get a penalty in Moto1 as well, but I don't think those penalties are really going to deter Vince from actually doing any of this stuff again at round three. No, I don't think they will. Um, you know, we've seen enough through the AMA and uh, World Supercross last year to know that he's got plenty up his sleeve uh, when he wants to, um, and that includes uh, in the pits as well, uh, where you know most of the public can't see. So uh, I don't think they'll stop him. You know, being him, and uh, you know, come come Melbourne. Uh, I'm sure that there'll be <laughs> a lot more to talk about, uh, especially after how big everything's been on socials this week about it. Um, yeah, I'm sure he'll give us some more <laughs> next week. Oh, yeah. Look, like, obviously from last year, there was that incident between Brayton and Freeze at the final round in Melbourne that I was get, got to be a part of and watching the pits there and have that beer go down um, Brayton's front that Freeze threw on top of him. But... Um, in the aftermath of that event. But obviously none of that has caused any ramifications for Vince. He's up back to these, you know, his regular tricks. They're not part old habits or anything like that. They're currently still in action. 
And I wonder whether any of these penalties that he got from the FIM are actually going to carry over into that Melbourne. And like you said, we're going to have to question that when we get there to the to the powers that be uh, in those press days as such to see if there is going to be any sort of hangover of those penalties. Is he on a bit of a probation or is he basically free to be Vince Freeze again? Yeah, I think it should carry over. Um, that's just my opinion. Obviously, we don't know, but... Uh, you know, that's sort of what happens in the AMA. And, again, with, you know, World Supercross is different and trying to be, um, you know, going a different way. But I think that still needs to be a thing where if you do something wrong one round, um, it carries over, you know, carries over to the next round in this case because it's the last one. But, um you know, he could have carried on from Melbourne last year across to this year as long as he raced. Um, that, you know, that could have helped as well, maybe not get what we saw on the weekend. But, uh, yeah, we'll just have to ask, like you said, and see what the uh, see what the go is. Yeah, exactly. So we'll be checking that out when we get there. Now, obviously, all this Vince talk has actually detracted from the actual race results of the event which we haven't even touched on, which is little bit disappointing but it seems there have been the more um public discussion this week was the vince aspect of the event than anything else um there's obviously some other things that we'll talk about later on but let's get to the re- results of the weekend uh in that sx1 class and not with the best individual moto results but the most consistent across the night with the overall was joey savachi and savachi's actually taken the points lead after ken roxon had a bit of a mediocre night. He didn't get a very good qualifying position. He ended up onto the second row of the starting. It was a double stacked start for this round because of the venue size. And he had just he had that unfortunate moment in the first motor where he managed to crash whilst trying to take the lead from Vince Fries and injure his foot, which then impacted him across the next two motos. But he rode really well in those other two motos. And look, he rode really well in all three motos, Kenny. But to actually come through the pack from those second rows. It was an amazing effort. But he's he's down five points in the championship now to Joe Savacci. So Savacci's going to come into this final round with the red plate. Uh, and back into third position was Dean Wilson. Unfortunately, he had that rough Moto 1 being taken out by Vince Freeze, but had some good motos thereafter. So he's not out of this either. So the points is currently Savacci on 127, Roxon 122, and Dean Wilson on 111. And they are all in range even Vince Freeze is 108 points they're all within range of this um, championship so it's going to be a good final round if either Savachi or Roxon slip up Wilson or Freeze could be right there Um, but Kenny's going to have to have a pretty perfect final round in Melbourne to get over the top of Joey here if he wants to reclaim or defend his world championship title yeah and we're pretty lucky uh having you know, having the last round uh, last year, you know, Kenny got that flat tire and uh, it went right down to the final race. Um, so for us to, you know, get the championship decider is uh, pretty good. And with all those, uh, those three or four together, um, you know, the racing should be really good. And, you know, everyone who uh, is there should get their money's worth, but, it's, you know, there'll be a normal gate. Everything should be, you know, back to somewhat normal, I guess. Um, so, yeah, but like you said, Kenny's got to have a perfect perfect weekend. And even then, you know, I guess Joey's probably got to slip up in one or 
um, you know, he might still end up with it. But yeah, like I said, we're lucky to lucky to get the decider, and I'm sure it'll be really good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Melbourne just from like the fact that this title in the SX1 class at least is tight. That will be the talking point of the weekend and how it all plays out from there and whether, you know, Vince has any part in the outcome in that like he did last year and in that final moto taking out Brayton. But we'll see how that all plays out. But something interesting to watch there for Melbourne in that final round. Now in that SX2 class, it was a bit of a... Similar story for the defending champ in terms of Shane McElrath and Ken Roxon there in the SX1 class. Shane had to go to the back row for the races after some issues in qualifying slash heat races uh, and just overall had a mediocre night. And unfortunately for Shane, that's given Max Anstey a massive points lead heading into this final round. So Max Anstey's out in front on 140 points and Shane McElrath is in second on 108 um, so there's a fair gap there from first to second. And unless something happens to Max over the next two weekends of racing, because Max has the Australian Supercross Championship this weekend in Newcastle and the Friday night in Melbourne for the final round of the Oz Supercross Series, unless something happens to Max during those and prevents him from riding, I feel like Max can just have a pretty average night in Melbourne on Saturday for the World Supercross and get this thing done. It, it's looking pretty good for max anstey yeah and um you know we said earlier in um the podcast that we've now <laughs> we've now lost <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah uh see at the australian supercross you know series last year uh he you know he won the won the title in that and the form has just rolled over uh, you know, he did really well in the AMA Supercross this year and um, he's doing well again in the Oz Supercross and, you know, and now in World Supercross. So there's no reason uh, why, you know, he can't wrap two titles up on the on the weekend in Melbourne. Um, you know, he'd be walking away a very happy man. But, yeah, he's only got to have, you know, just be consistent, I guess, not even um, win, but, you know, be close enough. And with that horrible round for Shane, um, he's going to be pretty disappointed with that. But, uh, yeah, it's worked in Anstey's favour. And, yeah, like I said, he uh, should be walking away with probably two titles. Yeah, he's looking the odds-on favourite for both of those at this stage, isn't he? So, no, well done, Max Anstey, but he's just he's got to, just got to finish it off now. Now... The other one that we haven't mentioned here, but had a really good night in Abu Dhabi. And it should be no surprise given the venue type and the track size, but it was Chris Blows who put together a really good night there in Abu Dhabi. Um, a, a race win, a third and a second, I believe it was, in the different three motos. He put it really well to Max Anstey in that, that, that venue. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's known for arena cross. He's got that experience. Um, so I think that track would have suited him pretty well. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes in Melbourne on a, you know, a bit bigger track. Um, he did pretty well on the 2019 track that was there. Um, but, you know, that's a different bunch of riders and, you know, it's a few years ago now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he, um, you know, how he goes on the two complete different types of tracks. Yeah, it is going to be a very different venue there for Melbourne in terms of track size and, and you know obstacles that are all a part of this. So 
look, we'll interesting to see how Blows goes, but you know, well done on a good night in Abu Dhabi for Chris Blows and that Honda Nils that he's been riding there, performing really nicely. All right, let's um, switch talk up a little bit now. We obviously got some other comments that we got through from the Abu Dhabi round, and I'm going to go back into my other notes because I had some um, just some general notes here that we'll, we'll putting out about the event as we were watching it live on the on not live but watching the the broadcast. Um, one of the first things that I noted, and it was some of the graphics that they put up onto the onto the TV screen to describe how the event was going ahead, but it had Enzo Lopes in the imagery, and I find that a little bit just lack of attention to detail that you know all the changes that we spoke about on the last week's podcast between the riders and the bikes and the the classic the categories and whatnot enzo isn't doing the series anymore he's switched out he's no longer with club mx yamaha um but he was still a part of it now i know at the time he was part of the championship for round one and he's still technically in the points but i'm not sure i'd be advertising a guy that left the series in my first image that i pop up on the coverage for round the second or the subsequent round yeah, it's a little bit strange. I guess it's one of those things, um, you know, he wanted to race, uh, keep racing, um, which we heard on um, the interview he did with uh, Mathis on Pulp. But, you know, they just with, um, you know, the star contract and whatnot, they couldn't make it work. But, yeah, I don't know. He's in the points, so I guess you have to show him. But, um, you know, he he's not going to be racing again. So yeah, it's one of those things. Do you take him out, leave him in? I guess they chose to leave him in, um, whether that's just to make the Brazilian fans happy that we, um, no go crazy for him. Uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, maybe like you're, you're right there. They're probably looking at it from the expansion of the, 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 the viewer base and, and incorporating that South American aspect. But uh, yeah, I just think that they could have picked somebody else to, to do that. They they have um, Anthony Rodriguez and, you know, other guys that could be filling that sort of that void that he left. I just don't know that I'd be promoting him at that point in time. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so let's let's move on from that one. The other one that I found that was maybe a good upgrade, good change, how do you want to look at it? It's, it's your viewpoint, but they started out a little bit rough, but... They got going. It's the change in the commentary team, Benny. We've no longer got uh, Ralph Sheen and Jeff Emick. And unfortunately, our joke from last week about Ralph asking Jeff about OnlyFans and sponsoring MDK now for the World Supercross Series has gone like some of the other things we mentioned in, on past shows. If we had waited an hour, we would have known differently and we might have said something differently. But the joke... Probably didn't work so well now, but uh, we've got Paul Malin from the MXGP series as the lead commentator, and Grant Langston is in that analyst chair there as well now. And yes, Grant looked a little rusty when he did the initial um, stand-up piece at the beginning of the episode, but by the time the motos were running, both Paul and Grant were right on top of the, the action and really keeping up to speed with what was going on, even when there were some issues with the transponders and who actually got the checkered flag in one of the SX2 motos, they knew what was going on, and that showed me that they were ready to go for this round. Yeah, I think World Supercross just went for, you know, the sort of nostalgic feel um, with Jeff and Ralph, and, you know, I guess 
we all uh, listened to them for, you know, so many years. But uh, I think it's a good change. Uh, they, you know, we was a bit of a loose program and a bit relaxed um, in England, uh, which we had talked about in the podcast we did after that weekend. And uh, this was very, you know, a lot more professional. And um, like you said, they were they were onto it when the timing was out. Um, and it just shows, you know, the type of guys that they are and can, you know, just adapt to anything that happens. I feel like, you know, Jeff and Ralph, we mentioned it about them sort of trying to tell a story, but the race was too short for that sort of scenario to happen, whereas Paul and Grant really were just commenting on what they saw happening on the screen in the middle of the race and not trying to massively break it down and give an example of when Grant was racing like you know Jeff would try to do or Ralph would try to bring up to Jeff to then expand on. There's not that time in this format for World Supercross and I think Paul and Grant really got that and just went with the you know the gut first instinct that came up to their brain when they saw what happened on the screen and they just said that and that's what I liked. They were all over the the action as it happened, and that was really good for me. Yeah, um, you, you just you want to hear what, you know, basically what you're seeing. Um, you don't need, you know, some, I mean, for people who ride, they sort of understand, um, and people that don't, you know, might need that little bit of a explanation, but, for me, I just want to, you know, want them to commentate on what I'm watching. I don't need to, you know, hear stories from the past or whatever else. Just, you know, stick with what's on the TV. Um, and that's, I'm good with that. Mm. I don't mind those if they've got the time, but they don't have the time in those, you know, in this format for World Supercross. And yeah, so then that's where this rest, these, this change was good for me. So well done. They'll obviously be a part of Melbourne as well. So hopefully we'll get a chance to, you know, talk to them and be and congratulate them on the, the you know starting in the series and a, and the good job that they did there in Abu Dhabi and hopefully they do a good job for Melbourne coverage as well, uh, which we probably won't see until you know a few days after the event because we'll be there live watching it ourselves. So we'll see how that all goes. Now another thing that I saw that I enjoyed and I know you're going to probably bring up about it, but there was no metal ramp. Thank God there was no metal ramp. Yes, well, uh, we know how much you love the metal ramp. I hate it. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we didn't have it in England because it was an outdoor track, and it would be dangerous if it uh, if it rained, which I think happens a fair bit in England. Um, you think? <laughs> yeah, but they actually had a somewhat of a sunny day uh, for that race, surprisingly. Um, but then, yeah, we're inside this time, and uh, there was still no you know metal ramp but you just know when we go to melbourne the first thing that you're going to see is that nice shiny metal ramp there and i'm just going to see you turn around and walk the other way it'll be a get fucked moment when i when i see it and just leave so i'm not looking forward to it it'll probably be there but geez i really like the fact when it's not there for me a, a metal ramp is not racing. That's not a racetrack. That's a stage for a performance to be done upon. And that's not what racing is for me. So that's why I don't like it. But obviously they're trying to do something different. I give them credit for doing something different. I just think they could do it in a different way. It doesn't have to be a jump face. You know, the final jump should be a dirt ramp. But anyway, we'll, we'll get on with it. But yes, thank Christ it wasn't there. Um, 
the other thing that I wanted to bring up, the outdoor section of this track. Now, there were some access points that were rather narrow looking um, to get the track in and out of the venue, which obviously you've got to work around. But the rest of that outdoor section of the track that they had there would be lucky to be two metres wide. It was ridiculously narrow. I don't know why they didn't open that up. They Once they're outside of the you know, the building structure, surely they had room that they could have made it a lot wider. Yes, have it narrow when they've got to go out of the stadium and into the stadium. That can be that one section that has to be that way and everybody funnels in and follows the leader. Sure. But once they got out further past that, surely the track could be wider and give some opportunity for passing. Yeah, I think there was probably a little bit more room to play with uh, outside there. Um, they probably could have made the track go around where, you know, Freeze decided to take the shortcut um, instead of having that, you know, that another little corner there. Um, but, yeah, I think it probably could have been thought out a lot better than what it was. Um, I know we had, you know, they had some issues uh, and were probably limited, but yeah, they probably could have uh, just done a little bit more there. Yeah, it that uh, that one sort of irked me. I know that we're going to talk about some context with some things here in a minute, but that part of the track, I felt that they did really poorly, and they could have used the used the venue better to then get better racing at least outside there. Maybe they didn't want to have action happening where the spectators couldn't see it, but it just didn't do it right for me so maybe there's something that they had in mind or maybe there was another constraint that we couldn't see that prevented them from doing that um but yeah maybe they need to provide some information on some of these other reasons that they do different aspects so that the world can understand why it is the way that it is and that's what we're going to move to now now there's some context uh for for this particular round that was i found really important and i'll give you the backstory here I, after watching that that um, coverage, I was ready to give them double barrels on this. Um, I was not really impressed with a lot of aspects of the event, just watching it on TV. But credit where credit's due. Pulp MX and Steve, uh, so Steve Mathers of Pulp MX did a really good interview with Adam Bailey earlier this week. If you haven't heard it, it's on their podcast. Um, check it out. It's worth listening to because it provides context that gives you, that really changed my opinion of how that event was looked presented etc and so context is everything but what started me with this was something that i shared in our group chat and it got shared to me and i felt that i should pass it on but looking back on it it was out of context and that what i'm talking about is a video that justin bogle popped up on his instagram story that was taken during the super poll and panned around and showed that there was no spectators during super poll and without knowing i'm like Holy crap, there's nobody there. What What's happening? Why is there nobody at this event? event? And it turns out that that, wasn't, that was out of context and a little bit of a shame on you, Justin Bogle, um, <laughs> for putting that video up and tricking the rest of us into it. And maybe you didn't even understand at the point that you put that up, but the venue was being promote, dual promoted by a local promoter and SX Global and the local promoter suggested a change in the program that meant that the program that was where the crowd would be in attendance was shorter because they were a new crowd to the event and they might not understand what was happening and he didn't want them to be bored, which is all a fair call. 
And that meant that then the, the heats and Super Bowl were done in an empty venue. And they had a, you know, the, the pit signings and pit walks as such, etc. Um, done when the fans could turn up. And then they came in and did the opening ceremonies and the main events. And that was only then a two-hour program that the crowd was available for. And that's all we got the coverage for on that uh, live section there for know the seven plus and stuff so the context there changed everything for me benny I, I up until that point i couldn't understand why there was no crowd yeah i wasn't sure either um and yeah i saw the video and you know i, I wondered the same thing but uh yeah after that interview it now makes sense uh and i guess uh you know the promoter was you know i guess he he's there he promotes you know all the other stuff um you know and he just thought yeah it's probably a little bit long well you know can we make it two hours and that's why the um why the stadium was empty but you got to think that you know an empty stadium probably makes it a little bit hard to i guess do the super pole and uh, the heats and stuff like usually when they're doing the super pole you know the crowd get really into it and are really loud and I don't know, an empty stadium, um, you know, it's just not the same. <laughs> During COVID, we saw football games and all that sort of stuff in empty stadiums and it was, you know, just very quiet and I guess boring in a way um, that you couldn't hear the crowd get into it. And I feel like it would probably be the same sort of thing uh, trying to do that with an empty stadium. Yeah, from the riders' enjoyment level of the event, I think that would have been very drastically reduced by that not being you know supported and viewed at that point like how do you some of the fact that you can do a fast lap is you're feeding off the energy of the crowd and that was not there for that at all so yeah a bit of a bit of a hard one to sort of put into context for that from the riders point of view but uh, as we sort of mentioned last week on the show a lot of the things that they were trying to do with this Abu Dhabi round there on the Yas Island was around the funding from the government, the venue and the local promoter and the fan experience, as Adam Bailey said to me in our Twitter exchange last week. So they're obviously going from that fan experience and not really taking into thought the experience of the riders and and how they're viewing it because I feel like for those guys, they're not going to really enjoy that sort of environment and that venue, track, they're going to enjoy the rest of the venue once they're outside of the event because obviously it's a spectacular place from everything you see in the pictures and the stuff that the riders were putting up before and after. But if we're not keeping the riders happy, we're not getting the best riders to these events, which means we're going to get less people as crowds coming to it because they're not going to want to come and see people they've never heard of before. In this new area, yeah, maybe that's part of why that people showed up. But if they know that Ken's turning up, if they know that someone like a you know, an Eli Tomac or a Cooper Webb ends up signing up for this series and coming, that's going to draw more crowds in itself. So if these guys are having a shitty experience with the event, they're not going to want to come and do that event. And that in turn then reduces the crowd as well. Yeah, you need the uh, need the big names uh, to turn up. And like you said, without them, you know, that's the, the people that they come to see. And, uh, you know, for the hardcore fans that watch, you know, AMA and see, you know, the privateers going for the LCQ and stuff like that, there's a few of those riders uh, doing these races. But, 
if you're not hardcore and you don't watch that and you look at the lineup and you go, oh, I don't know them, nah, I'll just watch it on TV. Um, so, yeah, when, when there's big names there, it, uh, it indeed will, you know, help the fans turn out. Now, the other aspect of this, and uh, I just can't understand, like if we flip it back a little bit, right? So, one, the context was that they had did this because of the local promoter's suggestion and they accepted that and went with it. But at some point, for me, SX Global is the, you know, the father figure in this promoter position, right? They are in charge. They are the big, bad, all-powerful promoter across the series. So at some point, surely they don't look at this and go, no, yes, we'll take your suggestion. Thank you for that local pr- promoter. But no, we're still going to run our show the way we want to run our show. They seem to be very accepting of these other suggestions and that in turn is then throwing off their event and how it's presented and perceived by the rest of the world potentially by many people who haven't been there at the event and that's where they're getting this negative social hate so i feel like they just need to step up and be the you know the bad guy in the room and say no thanks for the suggestion but no thanks we're not doing that we're going to pursue our presentation of our event the way we want to do it Uh, yeah and you've you know uh you've got there would have been hardcore fans there. Uh, some may have travelled, some, you know, may live there, who knows. Uh, and they would have, you know, woken up on the day and thought, right, we're going to see uh, everything, uh, you know, uh, Super Pole heats, all that, and then got there and it was different. Um, so, you know, these new fans that they're trying to bring in are only seeing racing and not, I guess the excitement to get to the races uh, and, it, you know, you would view that a little differently. Yeah, definitely. So, look, it's just something that I feel that they need to, you know, make a hard decision somewhere and not just be so accepting of everybody. And that's going to roll into this next point as well. The next part we're going to talk about here that gives some context is the track and the track build. And, look, obviously the venue was a small venue and I'm not in agreement with the venue that they chose but they chose that venue in context because they were obviously getting some funding from the Yas Island government and that was brought up somewhere along the lines in the coverage or something I can't remember which one I heard it maybe it was in that pulp thing Um, but they obviously had that venue the local promoter chose that venue they but then they've you know, haven't built the track in there very well, but the track build itself was limited by this issue that they had with a lot of equipment fails and they kept getting only posi steers that could actually do the track build. Now, the context of this is that in a contract that they have, as in SX Global with the local promoter, it states in there that the, the, there's certain equipment to be provided to allow the track build to occur to the standard that they require. So that's then things like, you know, um, excavators, front-end loaders, you know, all sorts of different equipment, not just posi steers. Um, so it's, and I'm saying posi steers, I don't know why I've done that, it's skid steers, but anyway, you get what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I just realised what I was just combined two names into one, and it just sounds like an idiot. So anyway, I'm moving on from that comment. Um, you can g- you can give me shit for that later, or whoever else wants to comment on that one on the on on the socials afterwards. But anyway, um, 
but yeah, so they've they've had these these machine turn up and then it's failed. And from what we what we've heard is that it was like twelve failures that they had across the event build, and they were all posi steers that kept showing up. Now, that's don't say that word. Oh my god, did I just say it again? <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> Oh, this is take two late hour. The chocolate I had beforehand has worn off. I've had a big day, mate. It's just not happening. Anyway, let's say it again. Posi steer? Yeah. <laughs> the skid steers, they were all skid steers, right? Um, at some point, yes, obviously that's what led to the track being built the way it was, right? So that's fine. But if we go, if I go back to my previous point, at some point, they need to stand up and go, right, our contract said this. You haven't provided this. You need to provide it and you need to provide it ASAP because we are not going to present this um, this event of ours without this equipment. We're not going to do a justified job. Now, yes, they might take that too far and they probably won't actually stop the event, but there's ways of getting that equipment because as you said in our previous record, Benny, Adam Bailey turns up on a day or so later and there's an excavator outside to clean out the venue. Yeah, so it turned up after the racing was done to get rid of the dirt. Um, so, I mean, they did a good job with what they were given because, um, you know, it would have been pretty hard building the track with the uh, skid steers. Uh, but, yeah, definitely would have been, uh, you know, a lot nicer to have uh, the excavator and, you know, maybe a few other bigger machines to help build that track, which may have, you know, just made it a tiny bit better. Tiny bit better. Are you you're being very neutral, mate. You are you sitting on Switzerland or, or what? Because I feel like I'm <laughs> pushing, a, pushing an agenda here, and you sort of just like I'm on the fence. You getting splinters? Yeah, it's it's sharp. We'll just go with that. <laughs> but you get what I mean, right? Like at some point, you stand up and go, no. You have if you had twelve. Fa- say they had twelve failures, right? It might have been ten. It might have been eleven. Whatever it ended up being. Say it was twelve. They have eleven opportunities to go. No. Stop bringing this, go and get what we need. And if you can't get what we need, find a way to get it, right? Money talks, bring it in. Obviously, it was available to turn up the day later. Get it there, get it there when they need it there to build the track the way that they should. They don't need a big machine to empty out. They could have done that with the skid steers if they had to. That wouldn't have been a problem. But yeah, surely they can put on their, you know, their big boy pants and make that sort of firm decision as the big promoter. Um, so yes, context is everything, but I feel like they need to be able to make some better decisions, some stronger decisions to make sure these events are pre- portrayed the way that they want them to be, not the way that they're being, you know, sort of suggested to by the local promoters or whoever is making these suggestions. It's sort of throwing things off for them because even once they've changed things like the the, the um, heat races being done in the morning, they're then throwing out their program and they're potentially not from some of the other comments from other riders are, uh, over the week about not being able to be given enough notif- notified time about these changes. And so they're not being able to put their best foot forward in the event because things are changing and it's not well documented and just the event is being shuffled around so much. So I'd like to see some stability in that and just it, whether it's Adam Bailey or just the Essex Global Group as a whole, just take a firmer hold on their event and and how they want it to present and be run and done. And that's right. And I mean, it's a long way from, you know, anywhere to go there and 
have those sorts of problems. So uh, as soon as the problems start to, you know, turn up, that's, you know, the foot needs to go down and just say, hey, you know, we came here to do this. It's on the contract. Get it, like you said. Um, or, you know, there'll be consequences. But, uh, yeah. It is what it is. They can't, um, you know, they can't change it now. Melbourne will be better. Um, they've, you know, they've done it, what, twice, three times now. Um, they'll have everything that they need. And, um, yeah, it, it hopefully will be, uh, I guess, the best the best round of the series. And, um, you know, like we said earlier, make for good racing. Well, it, it has to be the best round of the series because if it's not this year, I hate to think how they're going to sort of survive the time from the social media bashing that they would get. So let's hope that Melbourne is that full-spec Supercross track, 20 gates, you know, good racing, and just that it is then the centerpiece that holds this whole thing together and makes the World Supercross Series seem like a legitimate series so that they get some positive feedback from riders, from media, and from those social media haters that then love to comment on this shit but they were never actually there. So let's hope that Melbourne is as good as it was in the years past, if not better than those, so that they can sort of, it can sort of be the saving grace for 2023 for World Supercross. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, um, you know, we're pretty pretty lucky that, you know, we can have it as the final round here and they've, you know, it's always sort of been um, really good. So, yeah, I, I, I think we'll be fine. And, um, yeah, I think it'll, it'll be a good final. And then hopefully um, come 2024, they can sort of pick their, pick their game up and probably go in a bit better direction and, um, you know, there won't be so many haters. Well, hopefully by 2024, they've, they've, they've learnt a lot and they're putting this together in a lot, in a lot more controlled manner and, you know, a bit more stability. So we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, let's hope that Melbourne just is a solid event for them to finish off on in 2023. Now, one more thing on the World Supercross. Um, you've got down in the notes, Benny, the double row gates. Thoughts on the double row gates? Well, look, for me, I don't mind the double row gates what I don't like is then a track that you can't pass on that the double row gates are built onto. That's my issue. If you're going to have a double row gate, make sure the track can get some passing, particularly in the first two to three corners after the start is where it's built into the track at the beginning. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, it's a big point. Um, it was hard to pass. And when you start on the back, you know, I think Kenny was probably one of the only ones that was able to to make the passes. But uh, Adam Bailey put this question up on Twitter or X, uh, whatever you want to call it. And my thought is that I'm fine with it. But I think that what you finish in the heat, or like in the race, so, yeah, you do the heats, you qualify, that's the position you get. But then in the races, uh, whatever you finish should then be the uh, position that you start on the gate, not just going back to that same gate for all three uh, races. I think it would have, um, you know, it would have switched it up a bit, made it a bit, you know, a bit more interesting. Um, but on a track that was hard to pass, um, 
it may not have also. So I think there just needs to be that little switch up, and I'll be I'd be fine to see it again. You know, there's only one issue with that suggestion, Benny, and it, it's sort of it's half of the event, right? Um, that the way they ran the event at Abu Dhabi where they did the two back-to-backs, then they went to the different class and did two back-to-backs and they brought back that third moto separately. They don't have the time to reorder and restack the gate for moto two from moto one because they're that back-to-back eight-minute-apart setup. Um, so they might be forced where they have to leave those the same for that gate, but what they definitely should do is that third moto switch it around because everybody's left the track they have to come in and regate um that's when they would have the time to actually put them in the finishing orders from the it should be the overall then at that point um that they then can go to the gate in that order so yeah that'd be the only thing that they potentially wouldn't be able to do it for every moto just based on time as the way that they want these to be fast pace between those back-to-back motos yeah, that's a uh, that's a true thing. So they do like race one, race two, then you do you go off race two or I'd do you? Overall. I'd go overall because then it's the yeah, combined so... of the first two. That's then the gate selection. Yep. So if your overall position is fourth, you got a you know a five four for the first two. Your overall fourth, you go to the gate fourth. That's what that's the way I would do it, and that way you know it's. It's, uh, but the only problem with that is too, they, they, they need to make sure that their timing and scoring is accurate at that point, but that shouldn't be a problem. But that's how I would do it, and that way then it gives them plenty of time. They can reallocate those positions in the order for the gate selections in the tunnel. They can just walk back out and do it. But it also means they'd have to be selective with how and where they put the starting gate to so that they've got the ability to bring them out and do that um, you know, without having to have a massive way to get out to the track and waste more time on that side of things because they're trying to get through these things reasonably quickly. Um, but yeah, it's that's where that's where and how it should be done if they want to make a tweak like that because it did suck seeing Kenny get those good results and then still be on the second second row every time. Yeah, and that's where I think that you know it it needs to be different because uh, you can't you know he's. He's number one. You can't have the number one guy sitting, you know, in the second row. Um, I know that's, you know, that's where he ended up in the heat. But on a, you know, on the track like it was, and you said it was hard to pass. Um, yeah, you you just can't can't have him on the back row. Um, but like we said, he did do well to get and move up. So, yeah. If that if that's one thing that they could change, I reckon um, it would be fine. Yeah, it's worthwhile. So they they will probably look at that, but because that's going to have to be a change for the the series, um, you know, moving forward. If they did say they had stack, double stack gates at at Melbourne, they wouldn't be able to make that sort of shift because it was a preset rule for the series. I would assume that they wouldn't be able to make that for that particular round. Um, it'd have to be for next year. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of little tweaks like that where I think they've run into some issues um, in terms of the rule book that they will have to look at for 2024. So, But yeah, it, it's possible and hopefully they do make those tweaks. And Adam putting that question out on Twitter is a good sign that he's looking for feedback on that as, as and what could be the best 
solution to fixing it too. So hopefully they, they take that stuff on board and, and do make a change to make it better for everybody. All right, let's, um, let's change tack. Well, not quite, but we're going to go into something. We've got that, uh, that lovely segment. We've got Blair's banter. Let's get this question out, Benny. You ready? I'm ready. Oh, we're just having a loading issue. Hold on. Where's it gone? Come on, open up. Here we go. Here's you have to give a man credit where credit is due. And Adam Bailey, you have some balls. You took Supercross to the Middle East under the same roof where UFC was a fortnight before. The week before that was Tyson Fury. We all knew. The riders knew. We knew as fans the track was going to be tight. It was going to be a tight one. But everyone had to ride the same track. It's a shame that it was a bit one line. But there would have been so many new fans watching that race, especially over there. It makes the sport bigger. The more people that watch it, the more money that goes into it, the more money the riders get, the better the sport is. I wait for Melbourne. The Aussies rode so well over there. On another note, how good does the new beater look? I love the look of that bike. Anyhow, have a good one. All right, Benny. He's uh he's gone complimentary for the World Supercross guys. I was not expecting that from from Blair's banter this week, but he's got a good point in the overall scheme of World Supercross and what they're trying to do. I think this underlines that intent of growing Supercross as a world brand. Yeah, well, they took it to, you know, a place that I don't think has ever had a Supercross race before. And, um, you know, we've heard how good the, you know, the crowd was and the fans and, um, you know, there would have been people there who's never seen it before. And now, you know, if it goes back, um, I'm sure they'll be, you know, there front and centre and they'll probably, um, you know, start following it on TV and stuff too, which, uh, like Blair said, it's, you know, it's new fans. So, uh, the more people that, you know, enjoy it is good. And, um, you know, for that's, you know, Adam Bailey's, what would you call it? Dream, I guess, is to get it out there and get it to people who don't normally see it. So, uh, I think they've achieved that. And, um, I mean, even for us here in Australia, you know, we've, we've got our series and we've been lucky enough to have, uh, AusX open for, you know, a few years now, but, to to get you know the riders over here to race that we you know some people would never get the chance to go to america and see um it's a really good thing yeah look uh, that aspect of this particular race is gold i'm not with him about the fact of the venue holding those other events beforehand i'm sure there's been venues you know you go to like um uh, what's it called there in the soup, the, not the soup. Yeah. The Superdome where they used to hold in Sydney, the Australian, uh, the Oz X open when it was in Sydney before it moved to Melbourne, that venue's ho- hosted all sorts of people. You know, it's had pink, it's had WWE, it's had, oh God, name Krusty them in there. Krusty's, oh, who, don't name that one. Come on, mate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, I get your point, but they've had just about everything in that venue. So I'm not with him on that aspect. Um, I think the overall venue size should have been more of the importance of it. But if that's the one that was going to provide some, you know, financial support and was interested in hosting it, you know, probably somewhat short notice, 
well done for them to taking it to that that region. That's the main point that, we, that I think Blair's getting onto for that aspect of the of Blair's banter. Now, moving on to the other part of it, um, Blair's right. That beta, the 2024 model that's just been released um, and is going to be available in January as per the press release for the beta RX450. It's a pretty good looking bike, Bernie. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd go blue rims. Uh, probably would have gone black rims. Um, I see why they went blue, but um, yeah, it's it's different. It stands out, and um, yeah, I can see probably a lot of people jumping at it. See, and you know, it'd be good. It'd it'd be good to you know to go to track days and stuff like that and see a different bike. Um, and you know, there'd be the way it's going there might be a few different ones in a few years time on the tracks as well so uh just to see something different i think is um pretty cool but yeah i think i probably would have gone black rims for that one see that's where i differ on that one when we were talking about um at the yz250f intro on the the 50th anniversary edition and it, it was that white and purple look and it had black rims and the black rims didn't suit i think the blue in person will look so much better with the blue, you know, highlights on the rest of the plastics and the seat cover. I think it'll all go together nicely. Um, I think black rims on this particular bike would not work. Yeah. I Come on, don't sit on the I'm fence. Fine. Tell me what you think. Tell me if you're no, against no, it or not. No, don't no. agree. Don't just sit on the fence. Come on. No, well, I'm for, I'm for the purple rims on the YZ. Um, the black rims... Uh, the black rims are fine, but the purple looks ten times better. Um, but yeah, I'm going, I'm going black rims on that bike. But hey, like you said, in person it might look alright, and they could grow on me. But for now, I'm saying that uh, I, I would go on black. Well, I found out too. I've reached out to the guys at Beta Australia after this press release came through. It's going to be in Melbourne on display at World Supercross, so you're going to get a chance to look at it. And uh, we'll see if you still want the black rims or not. We might have to do a little Insta story on that or something to, to point out to the people if Benny's idea has changed on it. But I think the blue rims are going to be the go when he sees it in person, mate. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, and that that and a lot of other stuff will be on our socials across that weekend uh, and this weekend. So um, there'll be pretty plenty of content, but yes, we'll we'll have to do something. Definitely, yeah. So they're going to be there. Beta Australia is going to be there. So anyone wanting to check out this um, RX450 from Beta, um, if you go into Melbourne, you're going to have to check it out. It'll be there in the Fan Fest somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where, but it, it's going to be there on display. So check it out. Tell them you heard about it on Always Moto because um, I did hit them up about a test ride at some point once the bike is available and they're going to get back to us as to when that actually is landed as such that we could do that. So hopefully that is something that we can bring you here shortly as well. But, um, yeah, nice work, Blair, on that one. It's it's a very good-looking bike. It's different-looking bike, which is always awesome because it's not just that run-of-the-mill you know, look that you get from the Japanese and the Austrians. This is a different setup from everybody. So... Good to see that they're a part of this series. And maybe, look, even we might even end up with a, a Beta Australia Supercross team next year. Who knows? Um, which might be something cool that happens in time. So, yeah, watch the space with Beta. They're, they're coming in a bit more than they have been in, in the world of uh, motocross and supercross, which is awesome to see. All right, Benny, moving on. Supercross in Newcastle this weekend. We said we saw, are we excited at the beginning? Are you, uh, how's the excitement level now? We, we're getting closer. 
We're an hour closer. Uh, we are. We were uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the excitement is uh, it's up there, and um, can you know I wasn't I wasn't going to come, but things have changed, and um, I'll be there now. So it'll only be the second time I've ever been to Newcastle, um, and I'll only be there for you know a day, two days, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Saturday will it'll be a big day, but it, you know, hopefully there's some um, there's some good racing, and I actually think. Uh, Blair may be coming, um, so I'm sure we'll get a comment about the track from him if he does turn up, because uh, we know he know, know he loves his track banter. He's on the fence. Um, I talked to him on the way home tonight from from my Sydney expedition today, and uh, he's on the he's he's looking at it. He hasn't confirmed yet, but he may be there as well. So we might have a have a full roll up from Always Moto just yet. We'll see how we go. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I think it'll be good. Um, you know, we'll be. We'll be missing Tanty, I think, in the 450 class, which um, isn't ideal. I think, you know, he he won there. Well, he didn't win there, but he was doing well last year till he uh, crashed there, um, and he was probably looking to, you know, fix that up. But, uh, yeah, with those injuries he got on the weekend, he won't be there, I don't think. So uh, there'll be one less, um, you know, top rider in that 450 class, but I think it should still be uh, still be good racing. Yeah, look, I cover that in the uh, emergency department later. But, yeah, I've been in touch with Tanny. He's only going to be flying back on the weekend from Abu Dhabi. He's been stuck there with the injuries and not allowed to fly at this point in time for him. So, yeah, check out the emergency department for more on that side of things. But, yes, he's unlikely to be even back in the country ready to be able to do Newcastle, let alone you know physically be able to do do it from the injury standpoint as well. So not good news there, but he's a potential for, for Melbourne at this stage. We'll have to see how the recovery goes. Um, just quickly before I forget this one, because it's in the notes and we're moving down, um, if you want to watch the Oz Supercross, it's available on 7 Plus if you're in Australia, and it's linked up via that World Supercross TV for international viewers. So check those out if you want to watch it, um, whether it's live or on, on delayed you know, playback. It's available there as well, so that'll be awesome. Now, I think if we go to who's going to win these rounds uh, from SX2, I think the obvious answer to that question is Max Anstey. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, we talked about it earlier, you know, just the form that he's in and especially on the weekend, um, just gone at, you know, World Supercross, I'm sure he'll just carry that over and, um, you know, keep going. I can't see him being too content yet and just trying to be consistent. Um, but come, you know, Friday in Melbourne, there might be that, um, you know, he might just try and just be consistent and just try and get through it. But um, sometimes when you try to do that, things happen. So maybe it's better to just uh, go full noise the whole time. I think he's trying to shake your reeve some pockets some more. So I think he'll be pretty much on the money at, at Newcastle and Melbourne both days. So um, maybe in the, the final moto of the, you know, of the night for him in Friday night at Melbourne, maybe he's a little bit reserved if he doesn't get the start. But I think he's liking the, uh, the bonus checks from your reeve's pockets that he's been getting lately. So he's probably going to be going pretty hard for those, I think. So, yeah, that's pretty... 
pretty good for Max. Now, SX1. Obviously, we just mentioned Tanty's out. Justin Brayton's a question mark at this stage. Um, and another news point that I've actually saw after we had our par- part one that didn't work out, Bailey Malkowitz um, on the 11, and I believe that was WBR. Let me just check back up. I can't remember if that's his team. He's on a Yamaha. Um, let me get it back up. Uh, where is he? Where is he? There's the post. Now, he's out. He's, he didn't mention what it is, but he's broken something, um, and he's having surgery soon. Um, so he'll be back on the bike in a few weeks' time, but he's going to miss the rest of the Supercross series, which is unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, he's on that Yamaha Australia um, bike. I um, God, I can't even see if it actually is WBR or not in that post. But, anyway, must be. It's bulk nutrients on the side things, side panels. It is. It's WBR. God, I got there eventually, Benny. But, yeah, he's out. Um, so that's not good news. Um, but winner for SX1, have you got a thought, Benny, on who it might be? I mean, it's hard to look past Dino. Um, he's, you know, he did well in the first round in Adelaide, um, and that was, you know, on a, a tight track that he's probably not really that used to. Um, so going to a bit bigger scale track, uh, I reckon again he'll be he'll be pretty hard to beat. If Brayton is a bit underdone with this thumb injury that I talk about in the emergency department here in the next segment, if he is underdone, I think you'll see him just sort of clinging into that second third. Uh, but Dino will then, like you just mentioned about the bigger track, I think that's where we might see Dino gap this field if he gets a start because he's going to have that skill set of the you know, a full American Supercross track and the, and the skills to do things on the track that maybe others can't. And if Brayton's not fully fit, he'd be the only one that I would think would be running or trying to run with him um, and consistently run with him. Yes, Matt Moss is a possibility. Yes, Luke Clout's a possibility. Both of them have a bit of inconsistencies at times. Um, so I don't see them doing all three motos as, um, you know, competitive effort, whereas Dino definitely, I think, is going to be the man across all three. He's been proving that so far in the rounds we've seen him do here now, round one in Adelaide and, and World Supercross round two there at Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, I think Dino's the man unless something happens to him, you know, in one moto or something. At least Vince Freeze is in there. He can be – he's marked safe from Vince Freeze the day after Abu Dhabi. He can be marked safe in Newcastle too. So maybe that's the that's all he needs. Yeah, I think that's right. Like you said, he's, he's used to it. Uh, that sort of, you know, bigger track. And I think, uh, you know, he'll just – you know, he'll be out front. I think the other guys will, will struggle to um, probably stay with him. But brings up a good point. I remember I said, uh, and, you know, we don't know how Brayton is yet. He might turn up and, you know, be there. But I mentioned last year that if I was Brayton, I would be five and done. I wouldn't try and go another one. Hello, and a certain, yeah, yes, <laughs> a certain Yareev, uh didn't like that comment. Uh, but look, here we are, and Brayton might not be getting a sixth title. Um, you know, like I said, he might turn up and he might be fine uh, and do really well. But, you know, if there's some injuries lingering in the thumb that he talks about, um, yeah, I might just be onto something, <laughs> maybe. Oh. If, uh, yeah. 
I have to wait and but see. We'll see. I, I, I'm expecting some gloating at the end of this series, if you are correct, mate. I expect you to be very proud of yourself. So be warned. I'm expecting a high energy level and a lot of in your face, Yareev, if, if that's the case. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we're you know, I want Brayton to be competitive. Um, he's, you know, the last five years, he's given a lot, um, you know, to our our series, and uh, you know, it was pretty unlucky in Abu Dhabi what happened. Um, and you don't, we don't want to see people get hurt, but you know, it's just it's one of those things. But anyway, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how we go. But yeah, you know, there's no hate to Yareev or anything. I just like to <laughs> stir Positive it up every time there's Positive a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. Look, I actually just thought of a bit of a thought too. The I think the SX2 class might actually be better than the SX1 class this weekend in Newcastle with Cole Thompson, um, Robbie Wageman. Nate Crawford, um, who else am I missing there? Oh, Reese Bud, looking to make amends from um, Adelaide. I think SX2 could be a banger class, mate. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, you know, Reese Bud will want to, you know, amend what happened in Adelaide. And, um, you know, he had some good, good fortune in the. You know, in Newcastle last year, so I think uh, once he gets there, the vibes will be, you know, vibes will be high, and hopefully he'll do pretty well. But yeah. uh, it's, you know, he's got a lot of good guys to go up against, uh, you know, as well. So we'll just, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Yeah, look, I'm interested to see how he goes, and I'm interested to see how much help I can give him getting warmed up before the event if that all goes to plan as we've been talking about with Reese as well so yeah maybe I, I can be the one gloating if we get a good result if I help him out and get him nice and limber and ready to go before the event so we'll see how that all plays out but whether we're whether we do much with with Reese or not was yet to be seen but um been helping him in the background a little bit with some exercise and stuff trying to get him a bit stronger with his back that he's been managing through so but yeah, I think he's going to be ready to go in terms of his motivation after Adelaide. So this, this, like I said, this SX2 class could be really good um, for this Triple Crown format, particularly if each one of them has maybe a one-off race and they can sort of really bang bars and go, you know, have some good good results that mix up the the standings and make that final motor really important. That'd be really cool to see. Yeah, and you know we want. You know, we want close racing. We want the title to go down to, you know, go all the way to um, Melbourne. So we've got, you know, two good nights there. So, um, yeah, the triple triple crown format always brings good racing and you just never really know what, uh, what the outcome is going to be. No, definitely. Now let's just finish on one little note. We sort of haven't really touched on it too much. We, we brought it up in some of the comments from World Supercross, but Kenny's foot, I actually didn't bring it up in the emergency department. I don't recall. I think I missed that one, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself. I think I forgot to include it there. But the images of Kenny's foot after um, Abu Dhabi and that little incident where he, I believe he said that he uh, managed to squash the foot between the jump and the frame as he was trying to scrub la- and land that uh, double there, double, triple, whichever it was there at the end of that section. Um, but it's definitely blown up, Benny. That foot is more than probably double the size of the other one. Got getting some colour, uh, but I dare say he is going to be absolutely fine by the end of this week, um, and you know no issues in terms of missing unless once the swelling goes down, because this is the, the concern with all things when they swell, 
if you do get an x-ray early on and this thing is swollen still, the swelling can impede the view of the bones and the, and the ligament and the structures around. And if there is like a tiny little avulsion fracture, it can be missed because of all that swelling. So that's the only concern. Once all the swelling does go down, if he does get a repeat x-ray um, or scan done, he might actually find something then. But ideally, there's nothing there. Hopefully, it's all just soft tissue bruising that he's got going on and a lot of bleeding into the area that's caused the swelling. Um, and that will then, like I said, be fine by the end of this week. So um, don't expect Kenny to be anything but 100% by the time we get to Melbourne, Benny. Yeah, well, he said uh, on his Instagram story uh, today that he was riding today. Um, so that's a, that's a start, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought I had some color on my, um, hamstring bruise, but yeah, he's, uh, he's put me to shame with that foot bruise. That's for sure. Oh, he just tried harder, mate. That's all it is. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anyway. All right. I think after our false start, Benny, and having one of our best records ever, and we'll say it, maybe we'll just say it was the best record ever, we've had to repeat the entire show. I think we've done okay, given the fact that probably some of the jokes we made earlier didn't hit quite as well the second time around. No, probably not, but just... (laughs) Do you want to just double check now while we're live, just so the listeners can just hear the disappointment if it didn't work? If, if you want, we can record it. Or it did, it or it did work. You know, if, if you want, we can go a third time around, but the jokes will be really <laughs> shit by that point. Yeah, no, you're on your own if it, if there's a third go. <laughs> you're out. I'm fucking done, he says. Boom. <laughs> oh, look, we're, we're all good. I can see it's recording this time. Software updates have been the biggest killer for me, and unfortunately doing this podcast... Every time the Audacity program that we record through does an update, it seems to change the connection to the podcast deck that I've got and it just Fs something up. And if I don't check it 100%, which I thought I'd done, it just doesn't record. So look, apologies to everybody who's listening to this going, why are you talking about this crap? It's because we did a really good record and I got three quarters of the way through and went, oh shit. And we've had to redo it. And as much as we've redone it and we've done a really nice job, the emphasis on some of the jokes just isn't there. And the energy level just isn't there because we are repeating this. And it's now, what is it, 11.20 at night. So we, we've sta- stayed the course, Benny. We've got it out. And we're going to go to the next section here. We're going to take a quick break on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. But just know that this was even better from the stuff that you can't hear. Yes, we'll go. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that. Just agree and let's go. All right, we're taking a break. <laughs> we'll be back shortly. Hey, it's Jake Runkles, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back on the Always Moto Podcast. Let's jump into something we haven't done for a couple of weeks now because there hasn't really been any uh, injuries that we've been needing to talk about here. But let's jump into the emergency department after the World Supercross Round 2 in Abu Dhabi. The emergency department, all the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. You do not want to be on this list. Unfortunately, we've got a few people that have been added to it this week after World Supercross. Uh, and unfortunately, it's going to impact the, some of the front runners for the Australian Supercross this weekend. Not sure how it's all going to go for everybody, um, but unfortunately there's some names here that you don't want to see on this list because they would make the racing in the Australian series much, much more interesting. Now, 
Reminder, Caden Minia is out with a broken arm from Adelaide um, from round one in Australia after that big crash that he had there at the opening round of Australian Supercross. Now, from World Supercross in Abu Dhabi, Aaron Tanti, unfortunately, the former Australian motocross champ, is going to be out for Newcastle this weekend. I've checked with him, with him personally. He's still in Abu Dhabi as of uh, what I'm recording this a little bit earlier than I usually would be. It's Tuesday night here in Australia. Uh, as of that time, I only spoke to him an hour or so ago, he is still in the hospital. He's unlikely to be able to get out of there until the weekend and he's not going to be able to fly home until that point at the earliest. And it's just due to some a number of rib fractures that he sustained from that crash that he had where he and Justin Brayton got together. So it's unfortunate for Aaron. He's just not able to fly. It's, it's all to do with... Uh, blood clotting and potentially puncturing a lung whilst he's in the air pressure and the atmospheric pressure changes that go on when you fly. So a little bit of safety there for his overall health. But he will be back in the country here probably within a few days of that point. And if all goes well and he can maybe get some uh, strapping or something done, there is still potential for him to race Melbourne, but we'll give you an update on that. Ideally, once we check in with him, probably in the week leading up to that event. But we'll see how that plays out for him. Now, speaking of Justin Brayton and that same crash, Brayton unfortunately ended up underneath the both of the bikes almost. Uh, he was pinned there for a little bit and stuck on track for some time. Justin has updated uh, as per... This was some information that was passed through when he was interviewed on the post-race interviews on Vital. So uh, well done to um, Lewis Phillips getting this information here and we'll bring it to you and explain it a little bit further here on the Always Moto podcast. But Justin reported that he had a right butt hematoma. Now, hematoma is just a bruise. It's a big swelling pocket that bruises and bleeds into it. Um, uncomfortable, painful, may need to be drained depending on how bad that is. And the factors on his butt probably isn't going to help him doing seat bouncing in the in the, the next week and race that he's got coming up here in Newcastle. But he also had a right elbow stinger. Now, a stinger is where you whack a part of the body onto the ground and you impact the nerve that is rather superficial in that area. So I'm assuming he's whacked his ulnar nerve because that's the funny bone essentially at the elbow. Everyone should know that. Um, if you haven't, whack your elbow on the inside of your elbow on the table and you'll soon know about what a, um, <laughs> what a funny bone is. But that stinger is something where it sends your arm numb for a short period of time. It resolves quickly. Uh, it can be a burning pain. It can be a bit of a tingling pain. But essentially, it is reducing your function and strength and your sensation of that area that that nerve innovates for a small period of time. It usually comes good in about 10, 20 minutes. Think back to when uh, Hunter Lawrence had that crash at Redbud on the Moto2 start. He was unable to get up and continue that race. And But then when we spoke afterwards and we saw him after the race there, uh, he was pretty much all fine. Again, that's what the Stinger is. It's a short duration impact, but it just basically throws you out of the moto race because it's basically the time it takes for that to occur. Now, after that, he also had reported a right thumb injury. Now, this is likely a skier's thumb injury, which is the ulnar collateral ligament, the inner ligament of the thumb. Whether he has just sprained that and he's got what you know most people would refer to as a sprained thumb or a sore thumb, that would be okay. That's that ligament getting stretched a little bit, grade one, two, or three. Hopefully it's not 
one of those uh, bigger ones in terms of grade three where it's a complete tear or it's not an avulsion fracture where a bit of the ligament pulls a piece of the bone that it attaches to away and then it needs some surgical intervention. Now, how bad this is, we don't know. At the point where that interview occurred, um, it only just happened. There was only just some swelling. He wouldn't have had time to have that checked out, but there is a chance that there is more to that. And at this stage, we don't have that. So we'll possibly know more about that closer to Saturday and we'll bring you those updates on Justin if there is anything um, once we get to the track or if there's something comes out before that, stay in touch with our social channels and we'll be posting about it then. The other one that come out of the weekend, it's only a minor one. Uh, Colt Nichols managed to have a bit of a bump on his ankle that has bruised in his lower Achilles region. Uh, but one would ex- expect him to be all fine come a couple of days later, pretty much by the time he got home. So those are the updates from Abu Dhabi and that one remaining there from Adelaide. Uh, there are a couple of other, the junior guys uh, from the Australian side of things from Adelaide with injuries. We're not listing them here at this point, um, but we might add to that list once we get a bit more info from people when we're on the ground in Newcastle this weekend. Now, speaking of Newcastle making their return, and that's who you will be listening to here very shortly on the Always Motor podcast for his uh, interview with us is Dylan Wills. He's is going to be back from his collarbone fracture this weekend in Newcastle. So that's great news for Dylan. But stick around. We're going to head straight to his interview here. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to go into the interview and you'll hear all about his uh, recovery and where he's up to uh, during this conversation with Dylan Wills. Hey, this is Brett Metcalf. You're listening to Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, joining us this week on the Always Moto Podcast brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. We've got the number 64 on the line. He's riding uh, the boom racing Fox Husqvarna this year. It's Dylan Wills. How are we doing, Dylan? Mate, I'm good. Just down in uh, Wagga Wagga at the moment at Byron Dennis's place doing some training and, um, and yeah, just trying to trying to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, look, it's it's uh, one of the things we do here on the Always Motor Podcast is always these in- injury check-ins and, and it always seems to be a either a bad time or you're on the way back in and hopefully this one's a good time part of it. You're on the way back in from injury, mate. Yeah, yeah. So I've been back on the bike um, literally a week, a week on the dot. So, um had the had the surgery on the collarbone and then uh, got on the bike three weeks after surgery. So yeah, a little bit of time off there, which which sucked. But yeah, getting back into the swing of things now and just trying to put it into the past. That's amazing for everyone listening. Like you, you were saying before you hit record, it's about four to five weeks since the injury, three weeks since surgery, and you're on the bike. These time frames for collarbones, especially when surgery is involved, it's getting shorter and shorter. It seems and. How has that been for you? Like, you know, you, you grow up sort of thinking six weeks for a broken bone and, and you're back in a lot shorter time frame. Does the body cope with that? Or how, do, how does the mind cope with it? What, what's the feelings when you go to get on at that point? Uh, this one was actually this one was actually reasonably easy. Like, um, I, I went through a bit of a process with my other collarbone leading into the 21 season where I broke a collarbone that had the, had a plate in it already. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Uh, so I had to get that hardware out and then that was two weeks before the opening round of the nationals. And I had surgery nine days before the race. So they took the hardware out and they put, um, they put two plates and a whole bunch of screws, something like 14 or 15 screws in it. And I raced one faggy opening round that year. So this process has been a little bit easier now <laughs> that I've been through that. Um, this is just one plate and, um, three screws on either side, so six screws all up. Um, and you know, I, I was lucky enough to 
to get him down the, uh, up there with Stephen Andrews in at Brisbane Private Hospital. And you know he's the he's the go-to guy for all of us moto guys. We all um, go and see him for you know pretty much every injury. I think he's meant to be a wrist and shoulder doctor or upper limb or something like that. But he just seems to do everything for everyone. So um, no, the process. He's someone, he's someone that I think I need to sort of talk to at some point because, yeah, you're right. He covers all of you guys, it seems. every I follow him on Instagram and there's a post sort of every other day of someone in the industry that's getting work done um, to that upper limb um, as such. So, yeah, he's obviously quite busy and makes room for you guys, obviously aware of those time frames that you're working with, you know, usually being short in terms of when the next race is that you want to be ready for. So, yeah, he's obviously doing some good work and, and getting some decent outcomes for you to be back on the bike this quickly too. Yeah, for sure. He's just uh, – he, he's one of the only doctors that's really, like, um, honest with you. Like, he, he he says to you, like, hey, like, you can go and get back on and this is the risk that's involved or, you know, this is what you should or shouldn't do. Instead of I feel like you always just get a generic answer from a lot of other doctors or surgeons where it always seems to be six or eight weeks no matter what you do. Um, so, no, Steve was really good. He just said – as soon as I felt comfortable getting it out of the sling, like he just said to, you know, be aggressive with it. And, um, and that was obviously going to help me in the long run. So I was in a sling for oh, about a day and a half. Cause I went down to, I went to Adelaide for the first round. And as soon as everyone found out all the old heads that were there have found out that I'd had surgery, they were bagging me out about wearing a sling at all. So, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I had Dean Wilson and, and Chad both saying to me, why are you got it in – and even Ford Dale saying, why you got it in the sling at all? You've already had surgery. Just leave it out. And I was like, it hurts. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's one of those things. You're sort of a day, two tops, and then after that, yeah, somebody will say something to you that you've been a pussy. So <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I got it out and aggressive with it, and, um, and it was the best thing I ever did because I, I actually felt really good there probably like day four i started to feel really good started to have most of my range of motion and then it was all it was just the next three weeks went so slow because i was waiting to get back on the bike so it can be eternity yeah. that window there can't it where you feel like you're capable but you're just not allowed or you're just maybe not quite ready with the strength aspect of it so it can be a bit of a hard wait yeah for sure like it was just like i felt like i was good but i just knew that the smart option was to let the bone heal, let it get around the plate and the screws and all that stuff that's in there. And, um, you know, that I just felt like that was the smart option. So, yeah, that, like you said, turns into a bit of an eternity. But, yeah, it was just like two, two extra weeks kind of that I needed to make sure everything was settled in. And then, um, yeah, three weeks back on the bikes. Now, I ask this one usually for most people when they get some hardware put in, like myself as a physio, it's always an interesting question and I, I myself have had some injuries in the moto scene as well and had the, had things removed and whatnot and some other bits stayed. But I, is there a plan for you at all with these with the previous collarbone or this one, the hardware staying in for you or are you planning to get it out at some point or has it not even crossed your mind at this point? hasn't even crossed my mind at this point. I'd like to say that I will eventually get it out because I, I think that's the way to go but um, and I've got so much metal in my body and I've never had any of it out. So I wouldn't even know which one to start with. This collarbone would probably have to come last. Yeah, look, it's one of those things as a motor rider. You usually end up with a few few bits of extra hardware going somewhere. But yeah, my, my thoughts on it always is if you've got the time to do it, it to have something out, it's, it's worthwhile because you don't have that risk. Like you just sort of mentioned before about breaking something that had a plate already on it with your other collarbone. It can yeah. become a quite a big problem, you know, if it's in there when it when something else goes wrong. But um, yeah. finding the time to do that is another aspect. 
Yeah, and whoever really has the time to just be injured just because. Exactly. <laughs> no, but even in even in the real world, you know, in terms of having a full time job, you can't. You don't have that much sick leave, so you know, it's not not always practical. But it's a nice idea, but it doesn't always work. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Now you said you're at the Adelaide opener. Obviously, probably wishing you were able to ride. Um, you've put this yep. program together yourself for this season of Supercross in Australia. Um, how was it being on the sidelines there, and and what are your thoughts of the opening round in Adelaide? And I loved it to be honest with you. I, I've seen the comments, and I've seen you know everyone putting their two cents in and bagging the track out, and you know just so much negativity surrounding the first round. Like, yes, the track wasn't a full scale supercross track, but you got to remember you put a full scale supercross track out there and then where, where is the room for these kids on 85s to grow? Like where does the future of our sport come from? And then the other thing is uh, I think the racing was as good as it was because the track was a little bit easier. You know what I mean? Like it tightened up that gap between, you know, the, the likes of Mossy, Dean Wilson, Brayton, them guys being as good as they are. And then, you know, maybe our Aussie guys, well, you, you put Clout and Tanny and, and obviously Josh Hill in that tier as well. But, you know, then your second scale of riders, like, that just tightened that whole group up. And then we saw battles that we wouldn't have expected. Like, oh, I love it, man. And, like, what, what do you want to do? Put a gnarly big track in an indoor and have guys crashing left, right and centre. Like, we, we, we do Supercross very limited amount compared to what Americans do. So that's one thing that people have to factor in is that we're not, as good as these guys it's just that's just the reality of it and i think it's good that they've taken that into account and started with something that's a little bit more you know a little bit more simple and a little bit more safe and allow the allow you know aussie races and kids to to grow into it instead of just throwing them straight out there on something that's dangerous yeah i don't mind that side of the take of it like that that initial first round and like you said with the kids coming in with that cr uh, cr2285 cup going that all needs to have that ability to build into it. My only thing is I think you should still pick a bigger venue and have a track that's sort of maybe a touch longer, still built simpler, like obviously make yeah. the obstacles achievable for all of those levels, particularly at round one, and sort of scale up across the second and third round of it. And hopefully in time we'll have five and make it, you know, work its way up. But yeah, I just felt that the track overall time frame was just too short yeah it made the racing tighter but i don't feel that it gave any chance for decent passing like there was passing nah, but sure. it was a it was for a sure. stuffy in the corner pass do you know what i mean yeah yeah no nah, for sure and i mean that's generally the way an indoor supercross is going to go like you have to be aggressive when you pass but it's um yeah i agree it's it's a hard one like i think if if we're doing indoor supercrosses maybe that needs to be left to, you know, just the pro classes and actually have a, you know, decent scaled track in there. Um, but I agree. Like, I think, you know, if we're doing indoors, I feel like it should be an indoor series. And if we're doing supercross, it should be, yeah, you know, like, take, take it, take it back to the show, take it back to the showgrounds and, and things like that. I, I don't mind all that stuff. I, I like going to, um, oh, what was it called there? And I, I think they call it Adelaide showground, Wayville or whatever it yes. was like that. Yep, we season. always had a, yeah, last year's track obviously was subpar. I think they had an issue getting dirt or something like that. But, you know, other than that, every other year has been a success there. And even last year, the, the layout was really cool. So um, I've always been a fan of, like, the, the showground supercrosses and stuff like that. I don't think they necessarily have to be in big stadiums. That's just part of the show. But obviously then, you know, you go you go to races like Newcastle. And last year that was probably one of the best supercrosses we've had in 
over a decade, I'd say. It was unreal. Yeah, I agree on that one. Last year's Newcastle was awesome, and hopefully the one that's, you know, this week, uh, next week, sorry, on, our, on time when we're recording this, yeah, I'm hoping it's very similar because it was a really good event. But we actually spoke about it's sort of what you're talking about there in terms of the venues and stuff. We spoke about this just after that Adelaide round about saying, why don't they pick those sort of regional um, you know, football fields and stuff where they've got like a stadium on one side or maybe like a half stadium on one side and the other side, like the long sides of the footy field. And it's just a grass bank, you know, the rest of the way around. Pick those sorts of venues. They don't have to be yeah. a full, you know, Mac Jones Stadium in Newcastle where it's the full stadium, you know, pretty much the whole way around that can hold 20, 30,000. Pick something that yeah. can hold 10, you know, and have a grass bank and just get people in. Um, it want to be cheaper, Two, you'd have decent floor space to do what we're just saying about building a track that's maybe a bit longer so that it's not just a 20-second get-yourself-dizzy moment. And yeah. just just look at it a different perspective. It doesn't have to be that big, fancy you know, Marvel Stadium where we're going for World Supercross in the final round, you know. But something in the, in the middle grounds of where they went with Adelaide and where they're going with Newcastle and Melbourne, do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I guess that's uh, that's what we can appreciate about what they're trying to do right now is they're just obviously testing the waters and they're trying to grow Supercross back in Australia. And um, I think they'll they'll learn. And, and, you know, from what I've seen, they, they listen to the critics and um, they take everything on board. So I think that, you know, that like I said, they'll take everything on board and they'll grow it and, and try and make it better and, you know, more sustainable. But, yeah, for now, I guess, man, they're, they're, they're really making a push. So... Um, like for one, as a rider, I, I really appreciate what they're doing and, and I hope they can work it out and we can have, you know, Supercross back on a big scale in the show. Well, that's the aim, isn't it? We all want to see that. We just want good good venues, good racings, you know, plenty of people jo- like signing up and doing the thing and obviously kids coming through. It's just we had that for so long, you know, years back and it just sort of faded off. Obviously, COVID and everything interrupted all that. But, yeah, it'd be great to have that build back into a – in a really nice solid season, like series at the end of the end of the year, every year that we could be proud of. So yeah, something to look forward to. Hopefully that these guys are are building towards. Now yourself as well. We're mentioning Newcastle there. You had a pretty good time there last year. We're going to be back there this this year, aren't we? For yourself for this return for, to racing. Yeah, that's the plan. Um, so as of right now, yeah, that's the plan is to be back. Um, I'm trying to do everything I can to get back to. Uh, a level of fitness that's, you know, going to put me in a spot where I'm competitive. Like the last thing I want to do is go out and embarrass myself. And <laughs> at the same time is, uh, you know, I've got to be realistic. These guys are, you know, top notch and really good supercross riders. And I've been on the sidelines all year. I didn't race motocross. So I haven't had a gate drop since Wagga Supercross last year. So, you know, my, my I'm not coming out thinking, hey, I'm going to smoke Dean Wilson. That's just <laughs> a stupid way to, stupid way to think. Not, you know mate? what I mean? Sure, confident, confidence, you know. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Like, listen, I was riding, I was starting to ride really well before I got hurt and I was starting to find my groove and um, feel like, you know, actually even a better version of what I was last year. Nice. So I think there's still spark there for sure. It's just, um, it's just time, man. It's just time. But, um, you know, I I really, really, really still, still love it and want to get, you know, my intentions are to get back to being competitive again. Um, Whether that means racing motocross or not, I don't, you know, I don't think so. I don't really have a, a massive interest in racing motocross, um, but supercross for sure. I love supercross. It's um, it's just such a great time of year. And, you know, while I still love it, I thought, you know, why not? I feel like when I get older, I'll, I'll regret it if I don't, you yeah, know, have, have exactly. a crack and give myself some more time on the 450. But, yeah, going back to your question, yeah, the plan is to, 
be back and on the gates in Newcastle and who knows, maybe pull a miracle out of our ass and replicate it next last year. <laughs> well, now on that, like obviously you're trying to get some fitness back and, and the, the format for Newcastle is going to be the Triple Crown setup. Is that actually something that would work in your favour given that it's not a long endurance aspect? We're not doing a 20-lapper or a 20-minute or anything like that. Is that better? Is it worse because of the intensity? That's definitely better. Uh, like <laughs> I can, I feel like I can do 10 laps and then give myself a t- chance to recover. I can do 10 again and I can do 10 again after that. Um, stick me out there for 20? Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a different scenario. But um, – yeah, no, I think the I think that's going to work in my favour for sure. But that's going back to Adelaide. That's something I was really looking forward to was the was the short lap times and being able to get in back in the mix, do some racing, and it be you know over quickly. Um, like I was looking forward to shaking off that you know I guess you'd call it ring rust. Yeah. You know, having been off the gates all year, um, I was really looking forward to that. So missing that's a bit of a bummer, but. Um, I'm actually down in Wagga now, so I'm gonna I'm doing the Wagga Arena Cross, which is where they ran the Supercross last year. They've just made the track a little bit more basic. Yeah, uh, and I'm gonna do that this weekend just to get a few gate drops under my belt and you know get back into the swing of you know racing. That's perfect timing for you, mate. Pretty much, isn't it? Like it's the yeah. weekend before you're ready. You've actually got a few laps under your belt after the injury. That's really nice timing on that side. Yeah, it's only obviously a small basic race. Um, but, you know, A, I need to get some gate drops and then B, there's just a really good little, you know, motorcycling community down here in Wagga. So I actually really enjoy coming down here and, and, and obviously doing my work and then being able to spend time with the younger kids down here. And um, there's a really good crop of kids coming out of Wagga. So it's a pretty exciting time down here. There's a lot of tracks and um, a lot of interest around motocross and even supercross. So um, yeah, it's just a good place to come down to. The, the vibes are high and, you know, it's just good to be back around people that are excited about racing dirt bikes. You know, I don't get that too much in Sydney. Um, it's not really a motorcycling area where I live. <laughs> no, unfortunately, Sydney's outgrown itself and the tracks and everything that were around Sydney are further and further out. Um, so yeah. it's not um, not something that's going to be uh, really popular just there at this point in time. I'm, I'm from Sydney originally too, but up, up Newcastle way now. And it's much much nicer and there's more people interested in those sort of things like you're describing for Wagga. So, yeah, I, I bet it feels nice to be down there. They'd probably be excited to see yourself actually racing, knowing somebody that, you know, they saw last year in the in the Supercross series, you know, having having you there at their local event will probably be a bit of a highlight for them as well. Yeah, I hope so, man. I hope so. Like I used to, I, I, it's hard to look at it like that now because you feel like a little bit cocky. But like I used to love that when I was that age, whether it was, you know, the Mosses or Marmonts or mm. Cody Mackey or, you know, Luke Stike or someone like that that used to rock up to the races when, you know, they were racing pro and, and I was just a kid coming up. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully have that same influence on them. But um, I guess that's up for them to decide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's good. And I, I agree. That same thing. I had that same thing when you'd see those sorts of people turn up to a local event. It's just a cool feeling that they come into coming there and you can actually see them in a different sense that, you know, you can get closer and walk up to you in the pits and talk to you maybe without the same pressure and whatnot. So, yeah, it's nice that you're there doing that as well. Now, yeah. one last thing for you: the the track map for Newcastle. Any thoughts on it? Does it does it look good? Does it play into any of your strengths at all? Uh, it's hard to get a read. I mean, like you look at the track map for Adelaide, and then look at what the track actually was. It was quite a yeah. little bit, you know, a little bit different to what what we saw. So it's hard to get a read. But 
um, from what I see at the moment, yeah, it looks good. There's, um, I think there's three rhythm sections, if I'm correct. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's a pretty big layout. Um, and they've, they've changed it quite a bit from what they had there last year. I thought maybe they would try and stick with like a similar layout cause they know it worked last year's layout was actually really good. Um, just it was just it was a bit of a struggle with the dirt there. Um, it was really really slippery, but who knows? But hopefully, hopefully they find some new dirt for this year. But other than that, man, like the, it's it's like I said, it's hard to get a read with the track map. But um, I'm just excited either way to go racing. We'll we'll work it out. I got got invited to come and do press day. Well, I didn't get invited. I pressured them into making me come. <laughs> nice, go on a yeah. press day. <laughs> I need press day. <laughs> yeah, I need press day before I race, and um, that's good. So it'll give me a chance to work on you know, whatever they let us do and we'll go from there. Yeah, it's always good to get a little, little feel of the track on that, that press day as well. And particularly seeing as you haven't been, uh, you know, haven't been at one of the races yet so far, it's just be nice to, to get that little bit of maybe nerves about being there out of the way on press day, hopefully. So, no, look, can't wait for Newcastle next week. Uh, it's looking forward to that one. Um, you know, just one, it's local for me, but um, just hoping for a, a really good event, much like, 2022 because it was an awesome event last year so hopefully we can have have a good one and you can uh, be there fully fit and healthy and um yeah give it a good crack man yeah no, i appreciate it man and thanks for having me on and and like you said i'm super excited to get back to newey there's a um you know it's i've always said to people it's a little bit of a mecca for motocross and supercross there you know you go just out to the hunter valley and there's a lot of people riding and then obviously Newcastle there with KDM Newcastle being such a big dealership. It's uh, it's just a really awesome area to run a supercross. So I'm uh, super excited and hopefully we can, we can make it, you know, go up another level even on what it was last year. Yeah, exactly. No, look, appreciate your time on the Always Moto podcast, Dylan, and uh, good luck in Newcastle and Wagga this week, mate. Thanks heaps, mate. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and thanks for having me on. No dramas. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Hey, this is Cole Thompson, and you're listening to Always Moto. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto podcast, and that was an awesome catch-up there with Dylan Wills. Good to hear that he is back, ready to go, um, well, should be ready to go for Newcastle this weekend after that injury. It's never a good time to get an injury before a season. You know, there's a window where you can sort of still make it up, but it impacts you in many ways. Unfortunately for Dylan, he missed that opening round. And it's only a, a three-round series, so he's got two rounds left to go. Uh, but he can be there and make some sort of impact in this series if things go well. Good to have these catch-ups. But it's awesome getting some coverage for the Australian guys in the Australian Supercross series. Hope you guys have been, in, guys and girls have been enjoying this content that we've been bringing you. Um, I know the Australian Supercross page has been. They're loving the, the retweets and stuff that we've been putting out there on the socials. So um, hopefully you guys and girls are seeing that as well. Now, speaking of the socials, make sure you are staying, uh, you are following Always Moto on your favorite podcast or player and on your favorite social media app. Just search us and then follow Always Moto. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. And if your podcast app allows, leave a rating on it. We've got a few five-star ones on there now. Thank you to everybody who's done that. There's only five, not many, but there's five. So can we, if we can get that up out there, guys and girls, that'd be much appreciated. So leave us a rating on your app. Spotify does it particularly, so make sure you get on there. When this episode ends, hit the five-star rating. It'd be very much appreciated. 
Now, don't forget to check out our articles. We write articles. We still write articles, people. They're on fullnoise.com.au. We've just put one up this week for the YZ250F intro that we also did a podcast on. It's episode 82. If you haven't heard that, check it out. Uh, it's a very interesting bike that they've got there and some changes that have come through for the 250 this year in 2024 model, much similar to the 450 upgrades of 2023. But check that content out there, written and spoken we've got both of it fullnoise.com.au but that's it for another show thanks to lead moto australia competitive edge performance slant board guy endurance recovery boots and tech 1673 printing for the show support thanks to the always moto contractor thanks to blair for the banter thanks for you guys and girls out there for listening and remember you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not i'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick